Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello and welcome. I'd like to thank you and our virtual audience for attending our Black History Month program titled Glory and Honor. My name is Robert Milton. I'm the co-chair for the Arts Forum for the Commonwealth Club. The club is very thrilled and honored to partner with Afro Soto Theater Company as we celebrate Black History Month. Afro Soto is a sanctuary for black arts, culture, intellect, and entertainment. Founded by artistic director Thomas Robert Simpson. Tonight, we have an amazing line of a talented Bayer performing artists. We hope you will enjoy their performances. I hope you find them uplifting and moving. In our club library tonight, we have our visual artist, Ira Watkins, a local Bayer artist, showcasing his black history musical theme works in our clubhouse to my left here. After this program, there will be a special post-reception featuring the written doctors who are master African drummers, followed by refreshments in the club library. <laughs> I would like to take this opportunity to introduce you to the artistic and founder of Afro Solo Theater Company, Thomas Robert Simpson. Please join me as I welcome Mr. Simpson. Thank you very, very much, Robert. It is so nice to have you here. We're coming not really out of COVID, but we're beginning to gather. For a group like this, this has been the first time we've had a group like this in a good little while. I am Thomas Robert Simpson, and Afro Solo started as a result of a theater party I threw for myself way, way back in the old year, the old century before I had this thing. It went so well, people said, what are you going to do for your next birthday party? So we had another performance party then another performance party, then began to think this would make a really nice event every year. This year, we're celebrating our 29th year. We've been here, well, at the old Commonwealth Club. This is our first time here at the new Commonwealth Club. And my understanding is this is the first black history program that they've had here, and maybe even in the club itself. So we're really excited about that. A few minutes ago, as I was listening to people talk, someone said, oh, we're not here for entertainment. We're here for culture. (laughs) I would like to say we're here for entertainment and we're here for culture. In some settings, you can be really, really quiet or you can talk back or listen and have a good time. What we would like for tonight to be is one of those times where you can talk back You can listen. You can have a great time. We've got (laughs) one of the artists said, just don't interrupt us. I'm sure they'll be able to hang with us. But we do have a fabulous lineup for you. I think you're going to really enjoy yourselves. I have a list outside for people to sign up for our mailing list. If you'd like to know what's going on in the future, we have our Afro Solo Arts Festival coming up a little bit later on in the spring, which will be quite dynamic. But glory and honor. That has to do with our thoughts around our people, the glory of our people, the honor of our people. There are two people I'd like to just mention tonight specifically. One is my sister. She's my oldest sister. Her name is Ada Ray. 
I'm not sure if you can see, we can pass it around. She was one of the Freedom Riders. And this is her arrest picture. She turns 81 or 82, this, the, the 26th, the 26th of this month. So I'm thinking about her tonight. I'm also thinking about another sister around glory and honor. And this, again, is not really clear, but this is a picture of a young girl, 17 years old, who had been beaten by the police. She's been put on a gurney. But the caption says, oh, she had a little slight heart problem and she fainted. So we can pass that, those around if you, if you like. The other thing we like to do when we get started is to invite our ancestors to come be with us, share this event, and help make it a success. It is on their shoulders that we stand. And we do that just by calling out their name. So if there's anyone in the ancestral world that you'd like to be here spiritually, just call out their name. Laura, come be with us. Elroy, be here. John, be here. Be here with us. Be here with us. Thank you very, very much. Robert, thank you very, very much. And I look forward to um, hearing some of your comments afterwards. Afterwards, there's a, um, a survey. We'd like to let, for you to let us know how you felt about how the night went. All right, Robert, give Robert a hand. Oh, I forgot to thank the people at the Commonwealth Club who invited us here. I was at an event here, and part of um, the event was honoring uh, Pastor Cecil Williams. And I met uh, Carol Fleming with, by a friend of mine by the name of uh, Ann Smith. And Carol is one of the bigwigs here. And she said, oh, you do black things? <laughs> or something like that. I said, yes. She said, well, why, 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 why don't you do something here? I said, oh, that would be great. But are you serious? And she said, yes, we're serious. She said, I'll introduce you to Robert, I'll introduce you to some other people, and we'll make it happen. So thanks to Anne and Carol and our tech people, Dan, Mark, and some of the others, it's happening. So thank you very, very much, Mark. Thank you, Thomas. <clears throat> now, it's a great honor and pleasure to introduce you to our Masters of Ceremony. Dr. Brenda Wade, who is a psychologist, TV expert, speaker, and author. Dr. Wade, please give a hand to Dr. Wade here. Good evening. Such an honor to be here with Thomas Robert Simpson. And we have our other Thomas Melton. And this is an extraordinary time for us to be together. The tail end, I'm hoping, of a pandemic and to celebrate black history. So I'd like you to just take a moment and ask yourself, what does black history mean to you? What does it mean to you? Do you think of your immediate ancestors? Do you think of someone that you knew in childhood? Or do you flash all the way back to 1440, 
when the first African people were brought here in the holds of ships as if they were animals or just cargo. And that trail of black bodies on the bottom of the sea and some of those ships that didn't make it. And those of us who are here of African descent and our allies, you're an ally if you're in this room, so thank you for being here. But for those of us who have this ancestry, it's been a long journey. And the journey continues. And tonight we get to celebrate what it means to have made the journey thus far. And when I was growing up, I grew up here in San Francisco at the First Union Baptist Church. And people used to sing, I've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. And it's that spirituality as well as the artistry that will be showcased tonight that's made it possible. So, Thomas, thank you for your vision. I can't believe it's been 29 years. That's just extraordinary. Very few arts organizations can say that, and certainly ones with this history. So I'm going to move right along and introduce someone who's very special, the Poet Laureate of San Francisco, some of you know Devorah Majors, and I have to say, we grew up together. I went to Devorah's home once when I was a little girl with my friend Maxine, who was her best friend. And there was this man sitting there talking to her father. And I said, well, who's that? She said, that's James Baldwin. <laughs> right. So she comes from breathing in that history, that light. That air. Let me tell you just a little bit more about her, if I might. She was, as I just said, born and raised here in San Francisco. She's the third poet laureate between 2002 and 2006. In 2016, her sixth book of poetry. We all are going to run and buy her books, right? Okay, Because being an artist and being well-supported is something our culture doesn't do well in the United States. It's a book of poetry with open arms and was released in a bilingual edition in Italy. She has a Willow Press Editor's Choice, her seventh book of poetry. And Khalifa's, Khalifia's Daughter was published by Willow Press also. So look up her poetry, look up her work, support her. All artists need that. She also has two CDs as part of the Daughters of Yam. She performs her work nationally, internationally. She's participated in international poetry fest around the world, France, Bahamas, Germany. And I'm going to give you her website now, www.devoramajor.com. Easy? Yes? So please welcome to the stage Devora Major. Um, thank you, Thomas, for including me in this. Thank the Commonwealth Club for hosting us. I thank all of you for being here, and those of you that are in Cyberland. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I want to start with uh, a poem that is an homage to my great-great-great-grandmother. I'm fortunate to know that she, she was not as fortunate as I am, but I'm fortunate to know that she was stolen from Yoruba land and brought to the island of Eleuthera in the Bahamas where my grandfather 
hails from. And I know very little of her story, uh, so this poem is not about her. But what I do know is that she brought Obia, which is kind of a bohemian offshoot of Ifa, to the Bahamas. That's what she's known for. Island Woman Speaks of Tongues. They took my words, not knowing that in my home I spoke many languages, not only to family, traders, and voyagers, but to hawk and chimpanzee, sandpiper and dolphin. They took my tongue, gripped my throat tightly, and commanded me to use only their words. Yes, sir, madam, please. Limited ideas that did not tell of spirit or legacy. We will not speak of the Bakra, who, as we tossed in the belly of their demon ship, tore into me like a spear chasing the neck of a lion, spilling my blood, yet leaving inside the seedling of a son. My son, whom I taught all my remembered languages until he understood wind and star and smoothed his freedom robe whistling the birds to quiet their song as he passed, sending a raven to my window to let me know he was now a man unfettered. Some call me Obia woman, ask me to make juju so they could become invisible, so all the bakra would dry up and die, so we could return home. But now I only know of healing songs and the gift of animal languages and learned words the invaders, rapists, and slavers would not teach me, like survive, struggle, surmount. That saying, we, we, we came, we're in a city, and although many of us, you know, we started, and we were, uh, we were not slaves, we were enslaved, <laughs> but we were farmers, we were seamstresses and tailors. We built houses. We did iron work and on and on and on. And we were also healers often. Yeah. Okay. But then many of us, most of us came to the city. City scat. <laughs> we come to this city of concrete, brick, steel, and toil. Country people knowing the earth. Seafaring people reading the ties. Gambling people holding Jake. Jokers and spades, we come to this city, hard laughing, weep, sob, wailing, praying, celebrating people, bending and sweating. We come to this hiss, crack, slap, snap, siren, whirl, holler, electric, zip and burn city. Round and bustling corners, banging our heads against destiny and crumbling brick walls of confusion. We come to this city that can cage us, enrage us, deny us, revile us, turn us from friends and family into prey and predator. We live in this city, this hip, how, she, bop, he, bop, we, bop, bang, clang, swinging city. We reclaim our neighbors in the hood who keep our beats heartened our hearts beating with the rhythms of the drums. We come to this city and we name it ours. Thank you. With that, I want to actually give homage and honor to, this is called Fillmore Street Woman, and I wrote it for a woman I saw years ago on Fillmore Street, who, like me, was looking for Fillmore Street. <laughs> and the places I named there are places I came of age. Minnie's where I read poetry, the scene where 
Thankfully, the bartender was in one of my classes, so he would let me in, even though I wasn't 21, to listen to the jazz as long as I didn't order alcohol. Anyway, Fillmore Street woman. She's a dark woman, treading water in a life of hard choices. Wrong decisions, limited alternatives, stock pens are embedded in her eyes and mouth. Once, she knew she was beautiful. If you look closely, you can still feel the edges of fire that burned in her eyes, on her skin, in the way her back arched across Fillmore Street corners. She wore her nails sculpted in red in those days, when that street, when this street, was ours. She sat on a bar stool snapped her fingers, hunched her shoulders as smoke rose between the bandstand and the counter and the scene got hot and sultry and the music pressed out the doors and down the street. Further down, she slid in her jacks, had another cigarette lit, flashed her teeth, laughed as the club spun tight, shoulder to shoulder, thick smoke and blaring saxophone. Then she chicked in with Minnie, bought a pitcher of beer and halfway listened to some crazy poets chant a continent of promises with conga drumming, shake ray punctuating the rhythms and a flute solo bursting out over the tastiest of love poems. Maybe, maybe she slipped into Connie's for some curried goat and coconut bread or sweated spices next door as Leonard pulled another sweet potato pie out the oven and poured his brown-red biting sauce over smoking tender ribs telling stories as she savored another mouthful. Then, when the street was ours, she can see those days. She knows them. She remembers before before imported cheeses, before brandy-filled truffles, before double lattes and handmade paper cards. She sits on the iron-rimmed, privately-owned bench to rest her feet and take the pinch out of her back. She holds the bitter in her mouth, sometimes spits it out at passers-by, with steel in her stare. There on that bench, on that corner, on that block, on that street that was taken, that was ours, that was hers, that we let go, that is lost, that was Fillmore, when the streets held the people and the musicians had names and the rhythm was blues and the downbeat was jazz and the color was black and fierce like her. Thank you. So I come from a very activist family. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that said, let me see. W one of the things that I learned was it takes a movement. Uh, this is an epigraph is from Audre Lorde. Even the smallest victory is never to be taken for granted. Each victory must be applauded because it's so easy to not battle at all, to just accept and call that acceptance inevitable. Audre Lorde. We know of storms and barricades, and we know of changing tides. We have been wave after wave after wave, surging together, reshaping the land, human our fragilities, 
human in our strength. We have stood still, slipped backwards, pushed forward, and are pushing still because there is further to go. There was a time when it was harder to stand, but we stood. Harder to step forward, but we strode. Harder to speak out, but we sang together. It took a movement then. It takes a movement now. History is nothing but moments strung together. Moments of passion and moments of pain. Moments of hunger and moments of peace, feast. Moments of forbearance and of rage. But somehow, when we climb into those moments together, we expand the reasons for celebration. Together, we reduce the amount of toil, of injustice, of fear. We're at a crossroads once again. Our time once again to smooth the road we walk upon. To stand up. To step forward. To speak out. We're never at the beginning. We're never the end. But we are always at the front. We who know of dirty fingernails and hard work. We who tend the births and the deaths. We who teach and guard, guide and attend, plant and reap, Cook, clean and cook, paint and sculpt, investigate and report and care for more than ourselves. We are a movement moving past indecision, moving past fear, past resignation, past tired, past disgusted, past overwhelmed and disillusioned. We are a movement remembering our victories, however large, however small, and carrying them into tomorrow while moving from the impossible to the possible. <laughs> and this is uh, uh, from, uh, I named it after one of, well, that Bob Marley's song is called uh, Guilty, is uh, Guiltiness. Is, but this is for the down pressers because I had a message for those who would press us down. Woe to the down pressers, they'll eat the bread of sorrow. You walked on our bones for centuries, turned them to sand, poured into sandboxes for your children to build sand castles. And when the sand became translucent, filled with sunlight burning your eyes, you found more to sacrifice. Sent vultures to strip away our skins and built ladders formed from our ribs, limbs, and skulls on which you climbed to get a better view of the lands you planned to conquer. And now we rise, joined by some of your children and grandchildren who have eaten of shame and refused to travel on the rails you laid with our bones. And each of you who blocks our path, tries to press us back, will be blinded by our brilliance. Blinded, blinded, blinded by our brilliance. We bow with respect, kneel in homage, give thanks to our ancestors, and then we rise. We bend in harsh storm, stumble and fall, pull each other up, broken at times, but we heal, and then we rise. They stuff our mouths with their fear, twist our children with their venom, deny our history, breaking all mirrors which reflect our true selves. But we wash our mouths with flowing river water, cleanse our eyes with gentle spring rains, take our children to the sea where we unwind their limbs, 
as we tell them stories of how we survived, of how we carry our ancestors' breath inside our mouths. We teach our children who we have been and who they are and why we must learn to climb mountains with sturdy ropes and enduring faith, of why we must climb closer and closer to the sun so that we, like it, will rise and rise and rise. So I have two more pieces. I wanted to go earlier than the ancestors that we called out their names or the ancestor that I did a poem. This is called Creation Paradox. We hold the great-great-grandparents of our ancestors' grandparents in our bloodstreams, in our stomachs, in our hearts. Thousands of years rest inside our souls. In those years lives the record of our beginnings. It's the sweetest marrow in our spine, the cleanest shine in our eyes, the open side of our laughter. You can read it in the lines on the soles of our feet. When we retell the stories of where we came from, we draw back tree branches to find hidden fruits which we savor, pointed thorns which make us bleed, the yesterdays that led to here, the here's that lead to tomorrow. When we go back to the beginning, we find the stars. Thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. In the beginning, there was a time, we all say, when we were not. After that time, we became. We were created. We were molded. We were spat out. We were sung into until we learned how to make, what to form, where to spit, why to sing. But once, long ago, in the beginning, there was only one. And from that one, others were born, and out of those many came us. That is the story we all tell. But before that beginning... Before the, in the beginning, beginning, when we were born, there must have been another beginning. Before the spider crafting web laying 16 eggs, before mountains birthing lovers birthing children, before sky setting low to mate with earth, before light, before darkness, before breath even, there must have been another beginning. A beginning that lives in a place we call unknowable, Yet it is braided into our genealogies. And it is said that it is in this beginning, the beginning before our beginning, it is there that you must go if you want to find the faces of God. Thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years rest inside our souls. Thank you. And thank you so much. Now, I'm going to end. I always like when I do a set to do a love poem. And the incredible Destiny Muhammad is going to help me out on this one. I wrote this poem while when I, I, I am in, in great joy or darkness. I put on Coltrane's A Love Supreme. And I wrote this while listening to a love supreme. John Coltrane calls for a love supreme. He wails a prayer for us to become a chorus of a love that can never become hate, a love that will never fade, sputter, die. 
A love that has no price tags. A love without asterisks. A love that is not inconvenient, heavy, crude, cliché. A love not found in a bubblegum love song or a steamy romance novel. A love without metaphor because it is not like or as anything except itself. A love that at its root is pure as prayer, as song, as gift. A love supreme, a love supreme, a love supreme, I thank you. Thank you, Destiny. San Francisco's Poet Laureate, Devorah Major. And Devorah, you make me think of this quote from Mary McLeod Bethune, who said that women deserve to be honored next to the Most High because they can bring forth life and they make life worth living. Just saying. That was just a feast. Thank you. Um, There are a few seats, I think, for those who are standing up. I saw a couple of empty seats. There are two right here. If you guys would like seats, you want to quickly transition. There's another seat. Raise your hand if there's a seat next to you. Lots of seats. Come grab your seats if you'd like to. As my grandmother used to say, now don't be shy. Come on down. See all these lovely people raising their hands. They won't bite. Or maybe they will. Let me check. <laughs> He's, he, he says no. Okay. Okay. So it's an honor to have someone of Devorah's wonderful skill, her beautiful heart. She put everything into her poems, and her poems for me are complete. They're music, they're art, they're dancing, they're everything. So it's also an honor to bring to the stage our next performer, as if we don't already have a feast, it's a great honor to bring Brian Freeman to the stage. He's an actor, a director, a playwright, an educator, a performance artist, a San Francisco mime troupe veteran. He's performed in theaters throughout San Francisco Bay, He was a founding member of the award-winning Afro-Pomo Homos that traveled nationally and internationally, performing works related to black male gay experience. Freeman was a Wattist artist-in-residence scholar at the Yerba Buena Center in San Francisco. He completed a year in New York as a resident director of the New York Shakespeare Festival and the Joseph Pop Public Theater. Please welcome to the stage, Brian Freeman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, And thank you. uh, It's such a a pleasure to be here. Um, 
uh, for Black History Month. This is uh, the last week of Black History Month. Uh, artists often call this uh, All Black Artists Work Month. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, uh, like, mm, uh, you know, yeah, no, you know, uh, I think all of us get those those. Hey, you know, there's this event, and it's like February, and is there 15 minutes you got? And yeah, I keep 15 minutes in my back pocket, right, right, right. Just, just saying, just saying. Uh, um, it's a blessing to be. Uh, that's what's great about something happening annually, right? So. Uh, can always come back next year, uh, but glad to be glad to be here this year. Also, um, this is a bit of a reunion. Uh, I had the great pleasure of uh, working with uh, Devorah Major and Destiny Muhammad on a piece that uh, Devorah uh, wrote um, in 2015 called "Classic Black." Uh, really, a poetic history of African-Americans in San Francisco. Uh, going, going back uh, before the city was a city. Um, and I'm going to uh, perform uh, two pieces, uh, but the first is written, actually written, uh, is from that show, uh, Classic Black. And uh, this is uh, the story of William uh, Alexander Liedersdorf uh, junior. So, and, uh, I'm going to start with, uh, uh, a eulogy and then, uh, and then, uh, I will magically, through the magic of theater, <laughs> become <laughs> William Alexander Liedersdorf. So he'll have a little dirge here. Whereas in 1810, William Alexander Lederstorff Jr. was born in St. Croix, Virgin Islands, to Anna Marie Sparks, an African woman, and William Lederstorff Sr., a citizen of Denmark, and died in 1848 of brain fever. He is buried near the entrance of the old San Francisco Mission Dolores Sanctuary, and... <laughs> Whereas, in 1841, William Alexander Liedersdorf Jr. sailed the first United States shipping vessel, the Julia Ann, into the sleepy Mexican fishing village of Yerba Buena, modern-day San Francisco, to establish a world maritime center and... Whereas in 1844, William Alexander Liedersdorf Jr. obtained title to Rancho Rio de los Americanos, well over 35,000 acres of prime real estate along the south bank of the American River. 
his global trade and commerce projects financed, developed, and helped stabilize the Sacramento Valley. And whereas William Alexander Liedersdorf Jr. was a prominent civic leader and pioneer in the successful quest for California to become the 31st state in the United States. He was elected treasurer of the city of San Francisco, owned the largest home in the city, constructed the first city hotel, built the first commercial shipping warehouse, and donated the land to build the first public school in California. My ghost grows strong these days as I roam my streets. Oh, that, that Folsom, Folsom, Folsom. Folsom has a long, wide street, a city. Folsom has a highway. He even has a prison in his name. He even has an indecorous street fair in his name. <laughs> all because of the wealth I earned. Who does not know Folsom's name in California? And who does know mine? The man who made it all possible, William Alexander Liedersdorf. Yes, I have a stretch of a memorial highway, and I have the one-block street I dug out. It's not Liedersdorf Lane, you know. It's not Liedersdorf Alley. It is, and has always been, Liedersdorf Street. <laughs> if I had lived a few more years, the street would have been longer, possibly wider, and all the buildings on either side would have been mine. <laughs> now tall buildings rise thick like whale tallow around my shadowed street, and only a crack of blue sky is left. California Street, it's rich with banks, while my street has become a thoroughfare of pigeons and paper cubs. Uh, yes, yes, there is the cafe venue, Liedersdorf, where you can sit and eat and drink. But it's not sophisticated food, not at all, like I used to serve in my mansion. Mm -hmm. My dinner parties were the talk on three continents, yeah? Quail and duck. Mm -hmm. Cognac and uh, venison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the finest wines and cakes, yes. I hosted uh, ambassadors and uh, government ministers, city leaders, state officials, my colleagues after all, and for fun and profit, I held California's first horse races on the meadow across from Mission Dolores. Mm -hmm. All of this before I turned 38 years old. Languages were like spices to me then. I knew how to blend them and use them for profit and play. Spanish, French, English, Danish, cuanto cuesta. Bienvenue chez moi. 
all of this helped me to pile my uh, pesos high and my dollars even higher. Yes, I have always been quick in the tongues of commerce, of gentility, and when needed, uh, conversations completed with the showing of a horn-handled dagger or a mother-of-pearl pistol. They said I love to quarrel. I did not. <laughs> I didn't, really, I didn't. I, I simply insisted <laughs> that what was mine was mine. Possibly available at a fair price. <laughs> Possibly. All my ships had crews of African and white, and none held sway over the rest do the work earned the pay, always was a fair man. I worked hard, and I lived, as you, uh, you new ones like to say, large. <laughs> All of the luxuries my wealth could provide, I sailed, I traded, I managed, I built, I liked to speculate, and my speculations were almost always, almost always quite good all except for one. I died. At 38, unable to speak my name. But my ghost hovered above the procession that rode my corpse from my home to Mission Dolores. I could see flags flying, half-mast on ships and buildings, and heard minute guns firing as the horses pulled my hearse down the boulevard, leaving me as a ghost to continually wander my street, trusting people to remember me, not only my name, but me. William Alexander Liedersdorf. I've been to that alley. You've probably been to that alley. I go to that every time I go to the dentist. My dentist, you go out the back door, and I'm on that alley. Uh, it's uh, great. Um, so this is. Can we have the? We have a little slide here. This is another. This is. This is uh, uh, a new piece that was made just for today, uh, and. Uh, that's uh, oh, can you put the other one up? The the other one, yeah. We'll start with that, and then we'll do that. We'll go back. We'll go back to the other one at the end. Um, uh, I don't know those people. No, <laughs> <laughs> I know those people really well. You know, that's that's my parents up there. Uh, that's that's uh, that's uh, well. I'll, I, I'm going to tell you about them in this in the story, but that's. That's that's uh, that's my. F I'm from Boston, right? Can you tell by the voice? No, you you from Boston? Yeah, yeah. I don't sound like you. What what happened? I, I've been in California too long. That's all right. So, well, well uh, I'm gonna I'm talk about Boston, uh, but I'm gonna talk about uh, a whole lot of stuff here, uh, uh, and. Um, uh, uh, I get, you know, 
Devorah not the only one that said, oh, Destiny, can you do a little something, something? Like, so, um, so we're going to do this, and um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, this is called Step, Tumble, Fall, Embrace. You know, um, uh, it's Black History Month, right? And there's like, you know, um, people want to argue. You know, people just want to argue about like, uh, like, like Black History. Like, you know, I mean, it's history. It happened, right? So, but people want to argue. You know, down in Florida, they they start all this. This nonsense, right? I want to argue about about Tahanasi and Bell and 1619 and and Henry Louis Gates Jr. and critical RT. And I'm like, please, teacher, teach me something. Nice teacher, teach me something. I'm as awkward as a camel. You know what? That's not the worst. My two feet haven't met yet. <laughs> but I'll be teacher's pet yet. Because I'm going to learn to dance. Or burst. Had a fall, a tumble. 114 2023 MLK weekend meant to post about the embrace the embrace public art on the Boston Common Mike and Corey and money and Al all young colored people doing young colored things like dances in social halls with big bands in black Boston before there was me before there was me, or either couple was a couple, all four knew each other singularly through social dances at Hibernian Hall in Roxbury. Mom and her friend Gloria hired the bands. See, they were cute, right? They were models, really. They knew it. They used it. Mm -hmm. Now, you tell me... What Negro band leader back in the day, the days of Negroes, would say no to two light brights? <laughs> right? Spent the week in urgent care, emergency rooms, getting x-rays and CT scans all different days, because I fell on a holiday weekend, MLK weekend. Did both services of the pulpit exchange between Third Baptist Temple and Emmanuel, in person and virtual, combined choir was great. Interfaith, interracial, brought the music of the movement classically. Shall oh. 
we shall overcome. in my heart I do believe someday had to skip the MLK March 116 2023 couldn't march because I tumbled 114, 2023. Walking the, walking the dog, you know. Atmospheric river swept me and the dog down 12 concrete and slate steps. Water falling like fire hoses swept me and the dog down those steps like Bull Connor's fire hoses. It was our house. Dog is okay. Dog can walk. Hit my head and knee. Hard to walk. Have orbital fractures, bruises, no breaks, no concussions. Docs say I was lucky. Should play the lottery. Told my sister. She said, you're lucky. Mom would play your house number in the lottery. Money would put money on that number. Powerball and Mega Millions times two. Eight dollars in my wallet. Done. Money would be proud. Love you, Mom. I tumbled down 12 stairs MLK weekend. John Lewis had orbital fractures. John Lewis, my friend John Lewis, had orbital fractures when he tumbled at Selma. My dad was there to lift John Lewis up in Selma. Mike too, of course. Mom thought Corey had a lot of attitude at those dances. Corey didn't know anyone in black Boston back then, and New England Negroes, like my parents. Oh, they could be gracious or snooty to young colored Southerners, especially from Bama. My sister found the embrace online. My sister read the names at the base, on the common grounds, in diamonds. The embrace is on the Boston Commons. Money and Al and my sister and brother and me, we all saw Mike speak that day in 65 when Mike spoke on the Boston Commons from a bandstand with no band. After a march through Roxbury where Mike came by and said, Hey, hello, young man. Nice to meet to very young me. Ten, I couldn't speak. You know what? I had met Mike before at the same march in 64 from Roxbury to the Boston Commons. My sister heard MLK speak from that bandstand with no band from my father's shoulders so she could see. The embrace is art about Corey and Mike. The black joy that came from their meeting the names of all Bostonians who were part of the movement. Like that black joy, 
are there at the base of the embrace for people of all colors, for people of all colors, all people to see on the common grounds of the Boston Commons in diamond-shaped tiles, the names of those who stepped, marched, tumbled, fell. It is our common history. Back in the day, back in the day, in the days of Negroes at social dances at Hibernian Hall in Roxbury with bands on a bandstand that could really, really play. Light brights or fluorescent beige, midnight black, honey brown. Mike said, judge not by the color. Right. You know what? Money and Gloria and Corey and Bay and Big Fredia and Destiny and Janine and and Devorah and Dazier and Thomas and me. We gonna get the music right, right? Al and Money and Corey and Mike learned the steps. MLK, MLK weekend, atmospheric river knocked me down the steps. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start all over again. Step, march, tumble, fall towards the beloved community. That's my parents. That's Al. That's John, a friend, Galloway. That's Al Freeman, my father. That's Claire Galloway, who later married, well, she was Claire somebody else, and then she became Claire Galloway. And that's my mom, Money, there, smoking badly. They're all smoking. She <laughs> <laughs> is smoking Marlboros. My dad's smoking Paul Malls. Uh, you know, and that's her, uh, her friend Gloria there the, from the girl gals social group. And uh, this is back in the day at a social hall in Roxbury. And if we go to the next slide, if the other follow one, and that is my dad, the same, that's Alan Freeman. And you know, you know Mike, right? <laughs> you, you know Martin, MLK, uh, who, uh, and so that's, that's my. That's my story, and that's my family, and it's a pleasure to be here. Mm. Brian Freeman, everyone. Brian Freeman, such an artist, a poet, a performer. Thank you. And Destiny Muhammad. Whoa. We will be hearing more from Destiny in a little bit. You'll be happy to know. And Brian, that was extraordinary. And I asked Brian to choose a quote for Black History Month, and this is the one that he chose earlier. Those who say it can't be done are usually interrupted by those who are doing it. That's from James Baldwin. <laughs> Words to live by, Brian. Thank you. 
Okay, guys, take a deep breath. A lot to take in, yes? Yeah, beautiful, moving, for me, very painful at some points, a lot of pain points. So, are you ready for our next performer? You sure? Shake it out. Get ready. Seriously, shake it out. We need to move just a little. We've been sitting like this, wrapped. All right, so our next performer is Janine Anderson and Destiny Muhammad. And Janine, I will tell you, is a classically trained soprano. She's an opera singer, and she's toured across the United States and Europe as a professional artist performing operas and shows such as Madame Lidione. Did I say it right, sweetheart? Madame Ledouane. Ledouane, thank you. I knew I needed a correction on that. Uh, Poulain's Dialogue of the Carmelites, which I saw recently in San Francisco Opera, gripping. The titular role in Puccini's Sor Angelica, Erste Dame in Mozart, the Zauberflot. Zauberflot, thank you. Uh, Mrs. Ms. Anderson has sung in concerts and oratorios such as Mozart's Requiem in Princeton, New Jersey, Barber's Summer of Knoxville, 1915. <laughs> that threw me, it's like 1915. <laughs> you look so young. <laughs> in Cleveland, Ohio, and handles Messiah in numerous locations. She's been featured on many recordings with local artist bands, showing off her beautiful voice, range of styles, jazz, classical, gospel, even pop gospel, popular gospel. So without further ado, please welcome to the stage Janine Anderson and accompanied by the fabulous Destiny Muhammad. piece is from an opera by Henry Purcell. Uh, it is about Dido, the queen of Carthage. Dido was a fierce and powerful leader. She could orchestrate armies to take over whole civilizations. But the one thing she could not work her way around were matters of the heart. So one beautiful spring afternoon on the high tide a young sailor named Aeneas came to her land and swept her off her feet showed her a passion and a love and a romance she had never experienced but Aeneas is a sailor his life is on the water there was no way he was going to stay with her in Carthage to help her rule so, on the same high tide, a few weeks later, Aeneas left and took Dido's heart with him. In despair and misery and ununderstanding of what this feeling was, Dido realized that she couldn't go on without her heart. So she took her maid, Belinda, onto her dais and her throne, and she said to her, give me your hand, Hold on to me and remember me. Remember all the good that I did. Remember who I was, what I gave to this country. And speak of me with love. After that moment, as she settled herself, she took her life. 
This is Dido's Lament from Henry Purcell's Dido and Aeneas. I'm not going to announce.
Ooh. 
<clears throat> Just a few more and then I'll get out of your hair. I am going to preface this song by saying, this is a Negro spiritual that you will probably know, that has been misconstrued. <laughs> Everyone sings this spiritual as if it is sad. It is not. It is hopeful. It is visionary. It is prideful. There is an ending. There is a place to go. They weren't sad when they sang this song. They were telling each other where to go, how to get there. This is a message song so that our enslavers would not know what we were talking about. But we knew. It was in our hearts, in our mouths, and in the braids of our hair. This is a message song, and it is not sad. Ooh. Mm -hmm. 
selection. <laughs> We're going to pick up the tempo a little bit. Just a little bit.
wonderful Janine Anderson and Destiny Muhammad. Thank you. Thank you so much. So appreciate you. Beautiful. And what it takes to sing from that kind of coloratura to gospel, that's amazing. And guys, I neglected to tell you a couple of things about our fabulous harpist. May I? Destiny Muhammad is a recording and performing artist, one of my personal favorites, the only harpist known as Harpist from the Hood. (laughs) She has performed for SF Jazz, the San Francisco Symphony Soundbox Series. She's been a guest performer at NEA Jazz Master, and it it just goes on on Healdsburg Jazz Festival, Butchertown Jazz Festival. Uh, network Music, collaborator with Santa Cruz Symphony, Harp Ambassador for Awesome Orchestra Collective, and Marcus Shelby, right? We all know Marcus Shelby of New Orleans, that orchestra. So thank you, Destiny Muhammad. And again, our wonderful soprano, Janine Anderson. And it is my pleasure to bring back to the stage the one and only Thomas Simpson. Let's give a big hand for Dr. Brenda Wade. I have one last Black History Month quote. The final quote of the evening. This is about community. And I think we have community here tonight. And community is the feeling of heart. And this comes from, many of you know about this historic event that just happened, the first black team to scale Mount Everest. And Philip Henderson, who led that team, talked about the people from all over the world that made it possible. And I think that's a great metaphor for tonight. You scale Everest, my dear. Thank you. Again, Dr. Brenda Wade, thank you so much. Earlier, I mentioned that someone said that this wasn't for entertainment. It was just for culture. Did you get some entertainment? Did you get some culture? (laughs) All in the mix. Again, thank you so much for being here. We invite our ancestors to come enjoy this event with us. So we'd like to allow them to go back to their resting place. And we do that by just saying, Ashe. 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 Again, thank you, Commonwealth Club, and everyone who helped make this happen. I'd also like to thank all the people who are watching us in terms of the stream and being with us for this wonderful, and I hope, first, or possibly many more, With that, please welcome back Robert Melton. Wow, what a performance. I feel so moved and transformed. You know, I mean, just like I've been taken to another place. You know, yeah. Well, I want to say, I want to thank the artists tonight. I'd like to thank Afro Solo and our amazing MC. Dr. Wade. Yeah. Lastly, I'd like to thank you and our virtual listeners. Yeah. 
audience for attending the evening tonight for our show. And from the Commonwealth Club, we thank you for supporting the arts. Once again, my name is Robert Milton, uh, the co-chair for the Arts Forum. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.